It is so good to have you here for a night three of Encounter. I'm just curious, by a show of hands, how many of you have been here now all three nights? Can I just see your hands? Those are the ones that really love Jesus right there, yeah? What up? I'm, you all, I know you all love Jesus. You know, I'm just messing with you. But I will say this. Um, I found myself today just thinking about the last two nights. Um, don't you just love Pastor Terry? I mean, goodness gracious. I mean, you're going to be fantastic. I'm just, we're just, what, what, what the amazing thing about the, about the way God works, and I hope, you, I hope you get this. So when I was not a lead pastor, I would hear pastors say stuff like, y'all need to be in church. And I'd be like, yeah, yeah, yeah. You can relate to this, right? And now I'm like, y'all need to be in church, right? And then when I say it, I feel kind of weird because I think that y'all think, about me, what I used to think about pastors that said that, like, yeah, you want me to come so I'll give you money, or so you can tell your friends how many people you got coming, and that's not it at all. I mean, literally last night, and I'm not saying this to make you feel bad if you couldn't be here, because I mean, life is life, right? But like, what I experienced last night, it was so good that at the same time, I was overjoyed for those of us that were here and grieve for those that weren't. You know what I'm talking about? Yeah, I know you do know. And it's just, it's weird. Like you can't even, and how do you go on Facebook and say that, right? Y'all should have been there. Yeah, I mean, because then people are like, yeah, yeah, but man, it was so good. Last night was so good. And, and I love that God promises this. He says he does things from glory to glory. If you're a teacher, what it means is precept upon precept. And those are big words, but all it means is, and Wendy said it the best last night. She said, what I love about Terry is this might change your intro, by the way. Just listen closely because it's going to change all mine now because she said it, and I was like, I don't do that, and I need to do that. She's like, Terry just does such a good job at the very beginning of kind of going like, here's the foundation, and then we start building on it. And she's right, but that's how God is. Like Sunday night was awesome. And did you notice like last night was awesome-er? Is that a word? It is now. And that means tonight's going to be awesomer-er. And tomorrow night's going to be awesomest, right? And that's just the way it works. And it's got nothing to do with speakers. It's just the way the Spirit of God works. You just find yourself coming back going, oh, my gosh, if it was that good last night, I can't wait. And there's no pressure to recreate stuff or make it happen. Like, that's crazy talk. You just step into the presence of God, and it's just like, wow, I love it. So thanks for coming back on a Tuesday night. When apparently the world's going to end, right? Because everybody's going out and buying all the water and milk and bread. And if you got any extra stuff, bring it to my house, right? I mean, goodness gracious. Um, it's all going to be good. It's all going to be good. Tyson, um, man, I just want you to know you're a friend. And I, I love watching God blow up your ministry. You've been faithful. Y'all don't know Tyson yet, so we're just having a moment. Y'all just talk amongst yourselves. Um, but I don't know how, how many years ago we met, but um, is it three? Um, he's, he's in Charlotte at Vision Church. Vision Church, shout out Vision Church. Yeah, some friends here from Vision Church, and you just got baptized Sunday is what I heard. Yeah, it's fantastic. Y'all, why you let me down like that? He just got baptized on Sunday. Man. It's almost like they knew innately that you have a connection to the Steelers, and that's why they didn't clap. It's almost like they knew, right, almost. Um, Wendy's on the front row going, shut up, stop. But anyway, um, Tyson's in Charlotte, and, and there's a group of Charlotte pastors that I get to, I don't get to go every month because y'all know Albemarle to Charlotte is like, it's like going to Nebraska. It's so far away. But 
It doesn't always work out, but I love when they include me because, you know, I'm just a rural hick pastor. But I go hang out with these guys that are in Uptown Charlotte, and they're just killing it. And they're killing it because they love Jesus and they love people. And um, you've just seen a lot of transition, and you've been faithful. And right now, I just follow him, and I see all that God's doing, and I'm just so thrilled to see how he's using you. So we want to say thank you for taking time out of your schedule to be with us tonight. And I would introduce the person next to you, but I think that's going to be your job, right? He's got awesome news to share. But first, how about a big uh, gathering welcome for our good friend Tyson Coughlin. All right, so uh, I'm going to enter intro this the lovely Christina right there. This is my fiance, and we're getting married in almost a month, October 14th. Come on, somebody. So, 31 years old. She was totally worth waiting for. The easiest decision I've ever made, and God answers prayer. I promise you. Some people were losing hope for me. They're like, "There's no hope for him." So, uh, but the Lord answers prayer. For any single folk in the house today, just let me be a witness to you. The Lord answers prayer. All right, why don't you high five somebody sitting next to you? Tell them you're looking good tonight. Tell them like you mean it. Tell them you're looking good tonight. And when you say it, you got to be convincing with it. You can't be like halfway doing that. You got to tell them like you mean it. All right. Um, but uh, I've known your pastor for, like we said, about three years, and uh, just what an incredible man he is, and, and just what an awesome work the Lord is doing in Albemarle, North Carolina. We're, we're in Charlotte learning from him. Last month, we brought a whole team of church planters all the way from Charlotte. We carpooled together, met up at Chick-fil-A, the holiest place in Charlotte, and we came together, and we, we toured the facility. We prayed, but how many of you know it's not all about what God's doing in the building? Because the building in the church, y'all are the church, and it's been exciting to see what the Lord is doing in this group, and uh, we're just trying trying to glean and learn everything we can to further the kingdom and bless the name of Jesus. I want to pray over you really quickly. Father, we come to you in the name that's above all names, the name of Jesus. And Lord, right now, we just lay down all anxiety, all worry, everything that's weighing heavy in our heart right now, we lay it at your feet. And right now, we are focusing in on your word and your Holy Spirit we thank you for the promise of Isaiah 55, 11, that says when your word goes forth, it cannot return void, but it will always accomplish what you purposed it to do. So tonight we come expecting, tonight we come believing for you to do great and mighty things in our lives. I pray that we would encounter you, you would revive us today, and Lord God, do a transformative work inside of us, and may we never be the same again in Jesus' mighty name. And everybody said... Amen. Y'all expecting God to speak to you today? Anybody coming to the Word expecting God to move in your life? Anytime we come, I'm going to tell you something. We cannot come to the Word of God in this mundane, apathetic, you know, monotonous approach. We got to come expecting and believing God to speak into our life. That, another word for expectation is faith. It's hope. If you have your Bible, turn with me to Matthew chapter 3, beginning in verse 1. Matthew chapter 3, beginning in verse 1. I want to take a second to glorify the name of Jesus above every other name. 
uh, tonight, I really can't do much for you, but Jesus can change your life if you let him. And so I don't want your applause. I don't want your praise. I just want it all to be directed to the name of Jesus Christ. And so I am giving you permission to get a little rowdy, get a little hyped, shout, praise the Lord with me. But when you do, remember that you're not clapping, you're not shouting for me. I don't deserve your applause. But when you respond, it's to the word of the living God bringing glory to the name of Jesus. You down with that? All the glory belongs to him. People get hyped up about preachers. I don't, I don't understand that. We're just the mailmen. Pastor Paul's like, we're just delivering the mail. It's, we're, not, we're not writing the checks. We're just delivering it. Matthew chapter 3, beginning in verse 1. This sermon is titled, A Voice in the Wilderness. I was preparing this message for you guys right now, but I loved it so much I had to preach it to my church yesterday morning. And I'm telling you, the Lord moved, and I believe he's going to do it here. A voice in the wilderness. Matthew chapter 3, beginning in verse 1. In those days, John the Baptist came to the Judean wilderness and began preaching. His message was, repent of your sins and turn to God, for the kingdom of heaven is near. The prophet Isaiah was speaking about John when he said, he is a voice shouting in the wilderness. Prepare the way for the Lord's coming. Clear the road for him. Skipping down to verse 5. People from Jerusalem, from all of Judea, and from all over the Jordan Valley went out to see and hear John. And when they confessed their sins, he baptized them in the Jordan River. Now I want to give you a little context here so that this story, this chapter, comes alive to you. Because sometimes we just read the Bible like in our lazy boy recliner or in our nice padded chairs and we just kind of glaze right over it. But I want you to feel the magnitude of what's happening right here in Matthew chapter 3. This is coming during the dark ages in Israel. It had literally been 400 years since the Holy Spirit of God had spoken to the Jewish people through a prophet. It was four centuries of silence. They, they had nothing to go off of. No prophets, no Elijahs, no Jeremiahs, no Ezekiels. For 400 years, they were in a state of silence. A spiritual dark age. And then, all of a sudden, in Matthew chapter 3, there begins to be a rumbling. There begins to be a stirring. And God raises up a voice in the wilderness. But this time, when God breaks the silence, he doesn't do it in a manner that the people expected. When God rose up a voice in the wilderness, not only did God not do it the way the people expected, but God didn't use the the men or the prophets that they thought he would use. You would think that if God were going to break 400 years of silence, that it would happen in the beautiful temples and synagogues of Jerusalem. You would think that it would happen in a beautiful, beautifully adorned marble church, temple, or synagogue. But no, God chooses to raise up a voice in the wilderness. He chooses to raise up a man that everybody else had counted out and everybody else had overlooked. God chose an unlikely candidate, John the Baptist. The Bible says that he was a wild man. He ate locusts and honey. His appearance was a little bit off-putting. He wore camel's hair and he wouldn't have been invited to New York Times Fashion Week or any of that stuff. All right, I promise you, he was a little startling when you saw him. God raised up an unlikely man and he raised up a voice in an unlikely place and the voice of the Lord broke the silence in the Judean wilderness and God spoke once again to his people. 
I hear some people say that Albemarle is a small town. I've only been here twice. Some people say it's surrounded by the wilderness. Well, let me just tell you, don't let anybody talk down Albemarle, North Carolina. I'm from a small town in West Virginia, wild and wonderful, a small town. And people always there were like, well, I can't wait to go somewhere else. Or I can't wait to live somewhere else. Well, God must going to be moving there or here. But do you realize that God raised up a voice in the wilderness? God chose to break the silence in an unlikely place with an unlikely people? God is moving in a powerful way. And don't ever discount what God might just do right here in Albemarle, North Carolina. Because I believe the Lord's raising up a voice to speak to his people. Do you believe it? Do you believe it? The voice was crying out in the wilderness. Now, the word that is used here in Matthew chapter 3 is the word eremos, which means wilderness, but more specifically, it means that it was a lonely and desolate place. It was an uninhabited wilderness, a desert wasteland. Now, of all the places God could have shown up, in all the beautiful, majestic places in creation, God could have spoken. He chose a deserted wilderness that was overlooked, that was counted out, underappreciated, and that's where God began to raise up his voice. Now, I want you to zero in with me. We're going to hang our hat right here on verse 5 of chapter 3. This is the main text right here. I want you to look at it again. Verse 5 of Matthew 3. People from Jerusalem and from all of Judea and all over the Jordan Valley went out to see and hear John And when they confessed their sins, he baptized them in the Jordan River. Now, I want you to look at your neighbor, which is a little bit of attitude. Help me preach and tell them the people went out. The people went out. You all did a great job right there. I'm proud of you. That sounded really good. The people went out. I don't know, but, but when I, I've read this chapter a lot of times, it's one of, Matthew's one of my favorite gospels. I've read this a lot, but, but when I started reading it, this literal phrase just jumped off the page at me. The people, the crowds, the multitudes, they went out of the city. They went out of Jerusalem, out of Judea, and out of the Jordan Valley into the wilderness so that they could hear the voice of God that was speaking to the people. Now listen, I'm about to preach, about to lose my mind right now, because here's the amazing part of this. If the people had stayed where they were, they would have missed what God was doing in their generation. Sometimes you have to get out of Jerusalem. Sometimes you have to leave where you are. Sometimes you have to move out of the familiar place. Sometimes you have to leave the confines of comfortable. Sometimes you have to step out of home and familiar. Sometimes you have to leave Jerusalem to step into the wilderness to hear all that God is saying to his people. Look at your neighbor one more time and tell him, you better get out. Tell him, you better get out. You better get moving. You can't stay, listen to me, you can't stay where you are and expect God to do something new in your life. You can't keep doing the same old thing time after time, day after day, week after week. You can't stay where you are and expect God to do something new and fresh in your life. 
You want a fresh revelation. You want a fresh encounter. You want a touch from heaven in your life. You want to go into places in his word and your calling that you've never been. Well, you've got to leave Jerusalem. You've got to abandon the comfort of this life. You've got to let go of where you are to step into the wilderness to see what his voice is speaking. You can't, you know what the definition of insanity is? You keep doing the same thing over and over and expecting a different result. Isn't it amazing how we keep doing the same thing? We, we sometimes, we Christians fall into our routines, become ruts. We become monotonous. We become traditional. We become ingrained in this pattern of this is how we live and this is how we do things. And sometimes those monotonous places, they, they trap us and we get stuck there. But I'm telling you today, God is calling you out. There is a voice that is speaking. And I want you to know today, we do not serve a dead God. He is alive. He is risen. He is resurrected from the dead. Your God is speaking. This is an invitation to a living, vibrant relationship with your God. Some people say God's not speaking. Some people say God's not moving. I would say the word points to the contrary. Your God is teeming with life. He is active and he's moving in your life. I wonder, will you be willing to leave Jerusalem? Will you be willing to leave the mundane patterns and routines of your day to experience him in a new way? I promise you, if you keep doing the same thing, you keep staying where you are, you might just miss what God is doing in your life. You might just miss what God's doing in your church and in your city. We got to get out and into the wilderness. Now, listen, when I was looking at this, I saw something that was a little wild, and I'm going to go here with you. I looked at this, and I was like, why would the voice of God break the silence in the wilderness? Why would God wait 400 years and then speak in the Judean wilderness where all the people and the crowds had to leave where they were to go out and hear him? Because in the wilderness, the voice that was speaking there would only be heard by those who were seeking him. The voice was in the wilderness so that those who were really thirsty would be satisfied. The voice was crying in the wilderness so that those who really were hungry, they would hear. If his voice just spoke out in the streets of Jerusalem, just random strangers and passersby would have heard what God was saying. But the voice spoke in the wilderness so that we would pursue him, so that we would abandon what we're loving, what we're seeking, the the distractions of our age, and that we would press in to hear the whispers of God. Some of us have not encountered God in a long time. Some of you even sitting in here, you've just been going through the motions of your faith. You look great on the outside, and when the songs are being sung, you raise your hand, you, but you're, you're going through the motions, and inside you're empty. Inside you're hurting. Inside you know that there's more for you than where you are right now. You have grown complacent in your walk. You've grown stagnant in your relationship with the Father, but I've come today to tell you that there is a voice that is crying out in the wilderness, and if you will leave the confines of where you are, if you'll leave Jerusalem and the distractions of the present, an age, you will hear his voice again. He will revive you. He will touch you. Your life will change. And if you believe the words coming out of my mouth, I wish you'd put your hands together and praise the Lord. He's speaking. He's speaking. The crowd would have missed him if they had stayed where they were. 
Some of us, it's been years since we've had an encounter with the presence of God. Some of us, we've just been going through the motions so long. It's like we're in here and we read the words off the screen. We maybe even raise our hands. Yeah, we're singing, but are you worshiping? Yeah, I know you're here. I know you're physically here, but are you really here? Are you acutely aware of the presence of the living God? I know that you're going through the routine, but God's got more for you than this. Some of us have been living off stale bread. We've been living off of experiences of our past. We've been living off of a word that God spoke three years ago, and we haven't heard him since. We're living off, some of us are living off secondhand information. Our spiritual walk is lived vicariously through the words and the relationship of somebody else. We hear what another person said about God. We heard about what another pastor preached. And that just gives us just enough to sustain us. But we have been absent from his presence. We have been absent from his voice. We haven't pursued him. We haven't been willing to leave Jerusalem. We haven't been willing to leave the distractions of the present day. I promise the Lord is speaking. The question is, are you listening? I want to tell you a little, a little thought here while we're here about living off of stale bread, living off of what God did in the past. I want to remind you that when Moses brought the Hebrews through Sinai's peninsula on the way to the promised land as they were leaving captivity in Egypt, I want to remind you what happened there in that wilderness. In that wilderness, God spoke to his people. And he said, every morning, I'm going to give you fresh manna from heaven. Now, look, we don't even know really for real exactly what manna was, but it was some sort of like bread-like substance, probably something like Krispy Kreme, most theologians think, at least I, if I call myself a theologian. Anyway, but you know it had to taste good, right? It had to taste good because taste and see that the Lord is good, and every good and perfect thing comes from him. Can I get a witness? All right? All you health freaks are cringing in your seat right now. Anyway... God told his people, I'm going to provide you manna from heaven. I'm going to give you bread in the wilderness. And every morning I'm going to sustain you. But listen, he gave them a warning. He said, all right, Israel, I'm going to, I'm going to give you breakfast. I'm going to give you manna every morning. But don't take more than you need for this day. Don't you go hoarding up more manna than what you need for just one day, for just you and your family. And I'm going to tell you, some of them were jokers, and they didn't listen, and they hoarded up more manna than they actually needed. And it was the evidence that they didn't really trust that the Lord would keep providing. That's a whole other sermon. Anyway, you know what happened to the Krispy Kreme manna that they tried to hoard up overnight? What happened? Overnight, it became molded and maggot-infested. I just ruined your appetite if you were planning to go eat after this. All right? It was disgusting. It spoiled. It ruined overnight. It became, you couldn't consume it. Why? My voice is squeaking. Why? <laughs> I want some Krispy Kreme. Can I get a witness? Anyway, the reason that the manna spoiled overnight is because God was trying to teach the Hebrews a lesson. That I'm going to provide for you every day. I, you don't have to live off yesterday's bread. I'm a living God. I'm going to provide for you. I'm going to move in your life. You can encounter me every single day. I am faithful. I am Jehovah Jireh. I am the Lord, your provider. You don't have to wonder or second guess, am I going to show up and provide for you? You've got to live on the daily bread that I'm going to give you in my life. 
But some of us have acted and committed the same sin as the Hebrews in the wilderness. We're just hoarding up a word from yesterday. We're living off past experiences to sustain us in the present. But I'm going to tell you something. God's got something fresh for you today. He's got a fresh touch for you. He's got a fresh word for you. He wants to revive you. He wants to awaken you. He wants to move in you today. Let me remind you, when God introduced himself to humanity for one of the first times, you know how he did it? He said, I am the I am. He didn't say, I am the I was, or I'm the I will be, or the I might be. God wasn't referring himself in the past tense or in the future. God said, I am that I am, meaning that I am the God of the present. I am right now. I am right here. I am the God not of your past. I'm the God of your present. And I've got a living word. I've got a living relationship. I've got a living encounter that I want to touch you with right now. Anybody believe what I'm saying to you? We got to stop dwelling in the past and come on into the present and see what the Lord is doing. You know, churches fall into a dangerous place when we start living off stale bread. That's how these churches, Pastor Paul, I know you know this. This is how churches become stale and cold and stagnant and dead. That's how, because they're clinging to how God moved 10 years ago. They're holding on to what God did 50 years ago, 100 years ago. And because God moved that way then, they just keep going and doing the same old thing over and over and over again because it's comfortable, it's familiar. And guess what? They're dead they're cold and they're missing it. Do you remember what Jesus told his disciples? Don't seek me in vain repetition. I am a living God. I am on the move. I am vibrant. I'm in the present. I'm speaking. I'm moving. And I want to show up in your life. I refuse to live off yesterday's bread. How about you? How about you? God's got a word for you today. We got to stop going through the motions. And then here's the amazing part about this is that many people, when they hear this type of message, they fold their arms and they're like, well, I'm glad God speaks to you. Well, I'm glad that you got baptized. I'm glad that God touched you. I'm glad that he's moving in your life. I'm glad you're happy and your marriage is doing well. Good for you. But God's not speaking to me. And then we, we blame God for the silence. We're like, well, he may be speaking to you, but he's not speaking to me. It's his fault. We, it, now, don't, don't look at me like you're confused. Like, you know, I'm talking about somebody else. Surely I am. But, but we blame God for the silence. We're like, no, that's on you. I, why don't you speak to me? Why don't you leave Jerusalem? Why don't you leave where you're comfortable? Why don't you leave the traditions and the ruts and the monotony? Why don't you stop going through the motions and step into the wilderness and watch what God will do in your life? We got to get out of the wilderness. There is a, we got to get out of the Jerusalem and into the wilderness. God is speaking. And some people say, well, well, God doesn't speak anymore. God doesn't speak to me. Well, I would tell you that this scripture tells us the exact contrary. God is always speaking. The question is, are you listening? Help me preach. Turn to your neighbor, the other one this time, and ask him, are you listening? He's speaking. Are you listening? You say, where's that in the Bible? <clears throat> Glad you asked. Glad you asked. Psalm chapter 19, one of my favorite chapters in all the Bible, says this. That day after day, 
And night after night, the heavens declare the greatness of God. And day after day and night after night, their message without a sound echoes throughout the world. Every night, those stars that illuminate the night sky speak of the greatness and the sovereignty and the majesty of your God. Every morning on that eastern horizon, that sun rises up and radiates of the glory and the goodness and the mercies of God that are new every day. The creation is always speaking of the greatness of God. I wonder, are you listening? Because all those attributes listed in Psalm 19 speak of the wilderness. You got to get out of the distractions. You got to drop kick the phone, homie. You got to put it you got to put it down. You got to do whatever you got to do to get into the wilderness in the presence of the living God. He's speaking in the wilderness. Some of you are laughing cuz I said homie <laughs> or drop kick, I don't know. My church is used to it, so I didn't mean to shock you there. <laughs> I'll drop kick you. <laughs> And then people, it, it makes me laugh because I'll, I'll talk to people, you know, at, at my church and they'll be like, well, God's not speaking to me. God's not speaking to me. You know, I'll say, oh, really? Because God's already spoken right here it is. If God never says another word to you, he's already spoken enough. And when you can't hear from God, you can read God. That was better than you letting on. <laughs> if you can't hear from God, you got to read God. You hear what I'm saying? He's speaking. Are you listening? He's speaking. You know, and here's something else amazing. Many of us overlook the voice of God in our own lives because we expect God to speak in a certain way. We expect God to move in a certain place through a certain person at a certain time. But if there's one thing I've learned about the character of our God is that he's very rarely predictable. He's unpredictable. I know you like to think you're, he's predictable. He's not. Let me just, let me give you an example here to help you out with this. You remember 2,000 years ago, they were looking for a Messiah. They were looking for, a, they were looking for the Savior to come with a scepter in his hand, a crown on his head, an army behind him to drive out the Romans that were occupying Israel. But instead, the Messiah, when he came, he came in obscurity. He came in meekness. He was born in Bethlehem. When he showed up on the scene, it was not what the world was expecting. When he showed up on the scene, he was born in a manger. There was no room to lay his head. When God showed up in the world, he caught the world by surprise. And even when the religious elite, the Pharisees, when they saw him, they couldn't recognize him because God showed up in a way they didn't expect. And when God broke the silence with John the Baptist, he raised up a voice in the wilderness through a man who was an unlikely vessel. I wonder, are you overlooking the voice of God that is speaking in your life today? Because when God is speaking, he's speaking through a way you didn't expect him. Could it be that God is speaking and we're just overlooking it because we're expecting God to speak in some huge, grandiose, magnificent fashion when the voice of God is the whisper. I'm going to show you what I'm talking about. First, turn with me to 1 Kings chapter 19. 1 Kings chapter 19, verse 11. This is amazing. And I pray that you receive this. I pray you receive this. Because many of us, we expect to hear from God in some huge billboard. Or we expect to walk out of our, 
our job and look up in the sky and there's like this sign, this cross in the clouds. We expect God to speak to us in this booming audible voice, which by the way, I've never heard an audible voice. I'm just saying we expect God to do these huge, crazy things to get our attention. But actually we'll see, it's very possible we've been overlooking the voice all along. Watch this right here. First Kings chapter 19, verse 11. This is the Lord speaking to Elijah. Go out and stand before me on the mountain, the Lord told him. And as Elijah stood there, the Lord passed by and a mighty windstorm hit the mountain. It was such a terrible blast that the rocks were torn loose, but the Lord was not in the wind. And after the wind, there was an earthquake, but the Lord was not in the earthquake. And after the earthquake, there was a fire, but the Lord was not in the fire. And after the fire, there was the sound of a gentle whisper. And when Elijah heard it, he wrapped his face in his cloak and went out and stood at the entrance of the cave. When God spoke to Elijah, he spoke in a manner that he did not expect. When God is speaking to you, you might be overlooking. He might be speaking to you through creation. He might be speaking to you through these pages. He, no, no, might be. He's always speaking to you through these pages. He might just speak through your wife. No amens on that one. One. He might just speak to your husband. No amens. Absolutely no amens on that one. <laughs> he might just speak through your children. He might speak through your grandchildren. You say, well, I don't know about that. Well, I pastor a church where we have a lot of parents who only come to our church because little Johnny woke up and said, Mom, Dad, we need to go to church. You mean tell me God's not speaking in that child? God spoke through a donkey, might you remember? God's speaking, are you listening? You say, well, how do I know? My, my wife says a lot of crazy things. My husband says a lot of crazy things. How do I know? Okay, here's a real simple way for you to identify if it's the voice of God. Does it line up with Scripture? What she said, what he said, does it line up with this? If the answer is no, he didn't say it, she said it. If the answer is yes, the voice of the Lord is speaking to you in a way you didn't expect or maybe didn't want to hear. God is speaking and he's not in the fire, he's not in the earthquake, he's not in the whirlwind. He's in the whisper. And I'm just going to preach to you right here for a minute. In our world today, we don't like quiet. We don't like, we think silence is awkward. We don't like to get alone in the presence of God. At least, maybe I'm just talking about me. I don't know. But in order to hear a whisper, a voice in the way, you got to be quiet. You got to be still. You got to shut out distractions. You got to be leaning in. You got to be intentionally listening to hear a whisper. Why did God put the voice in the wilderness? So that those who really wanted to be satisfied, they'd find him. They'd hear him. Many of us, we say we haven't heard from God in years. But I wonder, did you want to? I know that that's a, I know I'm stomping on your feelings right now, but did you want to? Because the Bible says that if you seek him, you'll find him. If you knock, he'll open. If you'll draw close to him, he'll draw close to you. And while we're here, let me just be honest with you. There have been times, I'm a pastor, by the way, if you didn't catch that already, there have been times in my life where I didn't want to be in the presence of God. There have been times that I have run, that I've been busy, I've consumed myself, been busy and distracted by things that just don't matter. But I'm going to tell you something. 
What you and I have got to do today is we've got to be willing to leave Jerusalem. We've got to be willing to leave the distractions, come into the wilderness, stand in his presence, and converse and reconcile our relationship with God. You want an encounter with God, let it start right there. Let it start with you. You want revival in Albemarle? Let it start with you. You want revival in the gathering church? Then let it start with you. I know so many church people want revival. They want it to start with somebody else. Why don't it start with you? Why don't you get revived? Why don't you hear the voice? Why don't you start loving your wife like you ought to, loving your husband like you ought to? Why don't you let revival start in your household and let it permeate the city from there? And just while we're here, this is not the notes, but I'm just going here. Can I be honest with you? In my life, early on in my Christian walk, Pastor Paul, like I would talk to God in the King James I would like pray like, heavenly thou art father of glory. I know I have sinned against thee and all this stuff. Just be real with him. When you get into the wilderness, just be honest. Be vulnerable in the wilderness. Admit to God, I don't want to seek you right now, but I know I should. There's, there's too much of the world in me, father. Change my heart, oh God. Be honest. But we try to act like God didn't notice. <laughs> we try to come on and, and fool God. Like, oh, well, you know, here I am again. I've been waiting for this moment. <laughs> Y'all let your guard down. Be vulnerable with the Father. Be open. He thrives in your, in your vulnerability. If that's even a word. He thrives in your honesty. That's where you got to be. And by the way, let me just remind you that you would be in very good company to be vulnerable and be open and admit where you are and where your heart is because you remember a man, you might have heard of him, David in the Old Testament. King David, you might remember him. The man after God's own heart. You remember what he prayed? Father, forgive me, create in me a clean heart, and renew a right spirit within me, and restore unto me the joy of my salvation. If David can pray it, if David can admit it, you're in good company today. You want an encounter with God. You want a touch from heaven. You got to leave Jerusalem. You got to leave the facade of Jerusalem behind you. And you got to be willing to step into the wilderness and be vulnerable and be open and be honest with God in that place of silence and confess where you are. I promise you, when you go there, it might be uncomfortable, it might be unfamiliar, it might be awkward, but on the other side of those emotions comes breakthrough. And I believe today that you might just be one decision, one action away, one prayer away from breakthrough in your life. You who have not heard from God in decades, in years, in weeks, in months, you are one prayer prayer, one decision, one confession away from God moving and breaking through in your life. Does anybody believe what I'm saying to you? You believe it. I'm not going to preach forever, not much longer, but I just have a few more thoughts I got to share with you. We've conditioned people in the church today to Wait on God before they act, before they do anything so that they can hear from God. I had a, I had a friend, a roommate actually in Bible college who every time he had a, he was a called to be a youth pastor and he was great with youth. He was amazing. So had such a gift. And every time we would talk to him about getting started and serving in other youth ministries, he'd be like, well, 
I'm just waiting on God. You know, I'm just waiting on God. When God speaks to me, when God gives me the green light, when I see the sign, when I hear the voice, then I'll start going. But you know, what I read in Matthew 3 is that the people in Jerusalem, they hadn't heard the voice yet, but they just started moving. They started walking into the wilderness. They started acting by faith, and they walked into the wilderness before they ever heard the voice. And their action positioned them to hear the voice. I don't know if you're catching what I'm saying to you, but I'm about, I'm about, I pray that you receive this. Many of us have grown stagnant in our faith because like, you know how water gets stagnant? Why does water become stagnant? It stops moving. It stops moving. And stagnant water is disgusting. It's gross. It's disease infested. It's bitter. It's very unpleasant. You know, I know a lot of Christians who are described that way. The world's like, hmm, she's bitter, unforgiving, angry, critical, unpleasant. You ever heard the world describe Christians that way? I know you have, even if you don't admit it. Why? We got stagnant. We got complacent. We felt comfortable in Jerusalem. We were good with how things were. We weren't hungry for a fresh encounter. We weren't interested in the voice. We were good where we were. We were safe where we were. We were familiar where we were. But God wants to stir you up today. He wants to move you. And maybe moving you is acting. Real fast, I'm going to tell you a story. And then I'm going to wind this down. If the band could come help me close, that way I'll remember I'm stopping. (laughs) When I was 18 years old, I had a scholarship to play college basketball. But before you get excited, it was Division II and nobody came to the games. So it was not exciting, promise. Just a lot of work, no reward. Anyway, while I was there, I did not hear a voice from God. I didn't have a supernatural encounter or experience. But I just knew that there was more for my life than putting a ball through a rim. I knew God had more for me than where I was right then and there. And I made the decision to give up my basketball scholarship to let it go and to move halfway across the United States into the wilderness for real of Alexandria, Louisiana. Anybody ever been to Louisiana? (laughs) You've been to Louisiana, you know what I'm talking about. This wilderness, this is for real. I've lived this stuff, y'all. It's beautiful in its its own way. Anyway, and I left the scholarship in West Virginia at home, and I acted. Before I heard a voice or a vision, or I just acted because I knew by faith that God was calling me for more. So I acted, and I moved 17 hours away from home, went to the middle of nowhere where I knew nobody. I didn't know anybody, hardly anybody. And it was there. I went to that Bible college believing I was going to be an evangelist. Just travel the world, preach, and then just let the pastors clean up the messes. But while I was there, I was, I didn't know it at the time, but I was being positioned in the wilderness to hear the voice, to hear the whisper of God pertaining to my purpose and my future and my calling. And while I was there in Louisiana, that's where God gave me the vision for Vision Church. And last Sunday, Vision Church 
celebrated its sixth birthday. We saw six people get saved on that day. We saw 14 people get baptized. One of them's right here right now. What's up, Michael? And Big Kev is here too. He's from Vision. And we saw vision become reality. We saw dreams come to life. We saw prayers answered all because I got into the wilderness and heard the voice. And sometimes you have to act in order to hear the whispers of God. Sometimes you have to step out by faith. And faith is a risky thing. Sometimes you just don't know how it's going to turn out. You don't know how it's going to end. But you have to act on faith so that you can be positioned to hear the voice of God. And some of you, for you to get unstagnant, for you to have the encounter, the fresh touch of heaven that you need in your life, you've got to act. You've got to do something. You've got to start volunteering. You've got to start serving. You've got to get baptized. You've got to walk across this room and forgive somebody that has wronged you. You've got to pick up the telephone and say, I'm sorry to somebody in your family who's offended with you. You've got to act from where you are. You can't hear the voice and experience the touch staying where you are. Every one of you has a unique next step. Every one of you has a unique wilderness. But what will it be for you? Will you leave out of here tonight and just keep doing the same thing, going through the motions, having a good service and being satisfied with that? Or are you going to act on the word? Are you going to leave Jerusalem behind and step into the wilderness? Are you going to step out by faith and act on his word so that God can move and breathe afresh in your life? Anybody believe the word of the living God today? Really quickly, Matthew 3, one more time. Pastor Paul, that clock on the wall, I don't even know. <laughs> I don't even know. As long as, okay. All right, as long as you're good with it. And uh, just, I'm just winding this thing down. The band is here and I'm reminding. But what is the voice saying in the wilderness? Because Matthew 3 tells you. And I believe that the voice that you'll hear is the same voice that the people heard 2,000 years ago. And it's found right here in Matthew 3, verse 2. Repent of your sins and turn to God, for the kingdom of heaven is near. Repent of your sins and turn to God, for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. In the different translations of this exact verse, or this chapter rather, It refers to it as the voice shouting in the wilderness or the voice crying in the wilderness, your translation may say. But either way, what it always emphasizes is that there is urgency in the voice. There's urgency in the voice. And it is repent for the kingdom is at hand. If the kingdom of heaven was at hand 2,000 years ago, how much closer are we today? Do you realize that this was the message of the voice in the wilderness? This was the message of John the Baptist. This was the message of Jesus. And this was the same sermon Peter preached on the day in Acts where 3,000 were saved. It's the same voice. It's the same message. It's the same spirit. Repent and turn to God for the kingdom of our God is near. Jesus is coming again. I promise you he is. He's coming again. And when he comes, he won't be nailed to a rugged cross this time. This time he comes for his people and he'll come to establish a kingdom that shall know no end. 
And when he comes, the sheep and the goat will be separated. The wheat and the chaff will be separated. The believer from the unbeliever, the repentant and the unrepentant will be divided. And where will you be on that day? How will you respond to the voice today that says repent and turn to God? If you're in this place today and you, you know that there's distance between you and God, you know that you're not walking with him like you ought to be, you know that you've grown stagnant, you know that you've grown weary in well-doing, you know that you're not walking with him the way you ought to, you know that you've grown silent and comfortable in Jerusalem but you feel him today, you sense him today, drawing you into the wilderness, drawing you to an encounter. I wanna remind you that there is salvation in one name and it is the name of Jesus. All of us have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God and there can be no remission of sin without the shedding of blood. The wages of sin is death. You will not get to heaven by your good deeds outweighing your bad. You can never be good enough to make it to heaven. If you could be good enough, people today think that good people go to heaven. No, they don't. If you could be good enough to get to heaven, then Jesus died on the cross in vain. Why send Christ to die on the cross if you could be good enough? There's only one way to heaven and that's through the cross of Jesus Christ. You say, well, that's narrow-minded. That's awful uh, exclusive. Well, let me just drop this on you real fast. What other God came back for you? What other God, what other prophet died for you? What other prophet, what other Messiah defeated the grave and was resurrected from the dead? None but Jesus. Islam, all of its prophets, they're still in the tomb. Buddha, he's still in the tomb. All the other religions of the world, they're all dead and locked up in the grave. But there is one who is risen in victory, and his name is Jesus. And I don't know about you, but I would never place my eternal security in the hands of a prophet who couldn't save himself. Would you? If you're in this room today and you know that you're not where you ought to be, but you know you need to repent, you need to respond to the voice, you need to say, Lord, forgive me, have mercy on me. And by, I'm gonna give you an invitation in about three seconds to raise your hand in this place with everybody's eye open and everybody's head up and everybody looking around. I'm gonna give you an opportunity to raise your hand, to act into the wilderness in an uncomfortable, unfamiliar, vulnerable place to say, I need to repent and I need to give my life to Jesus today. If that's you, I want to invite you to do that right now. If that's you, I want to encourage you, raise your hand right now to say, I surrender Jesus. I'm not running any longer. I'm not going to be stuck in the traditions and the routines of my past. God, I'm coming into the wilderness. I want you to use me and serve. I want you to use me and take my life. If that's you, I want you to raise your hand. And as hands are going up, can we give the Lord praise right now? Can we thank the Lord for that? Yes. And those of you who have raised your hand, keep it up with me. I want you to pray this prayer with me. I want you to pray it with me. Father, we come to you in the name of Jesus, the best way that we know how. And we admit to you, Father, that we're not where we need to be. We're sinners who have fallen short of your glory. But today in this moment, we are stepping out into the wilderness, stepping out into the uncomfortable to raise our hands publicly and declare, Jesus, that you are the Lord of our life. We believe that 2,000 years ago you came and you died the death that we could never die. You paid the price we could never pay. And you were resurrected three days later from the dead. 
You are our Lord. You are our Savior. We confess you by faith. It is in Jesus' name we pray. And everybody said, amen. Why don't you give the Lord praise one more time? Hallelujah. God bless you. God bless y'all. Realize today, Gathering Church, realize today that when one person repents, the heavens rejoice and they resound in praise. Why don't you stand to your feet all over this place? And before I put this microphone down, I, I want to give one more call to those of you who are believers. You've been saved. You've known Jesus. You've walked with him for years, but your walk has grown stagnant. Your walk has grown just monotonous and you have just you it's been years it's been weeks months since you felt a touch from the Lord if that's you I want to encourage you to just come down to the front of this place and come out of your seat and come and stand in the front leave your chair behind leave Jerusalem behind and come on to the front and say God revive me today refresh me oh Lord speak to me let me hear that voice in the wilderness and your chair today is representing Jerusalem I'm not pressuring you if you're good then you stay there but if you need to come forward. This might be the act. This might be the decision. This might be the uncomfortable, unfamiliar act that begins to revive you again today. Because when, when John the Baptist, when he said, repent for the kingdom is at hand, he wasn't talking to the lost. He was talking to the church folk who had come out and they had grown complacent in their walk. What did Jesus say about the lukewarm? I'll spew you from my mouth. You need to be hot. You need to be cold. You got to serve the Lord. Let's worship today. Let's bless him. He is a living God who is worthy of our praise. Praise. 
with me. Jesus, I need none but you. Jesus, I need none but you. Oh, Jesus, I need none but you. Jesus, I need none but you. Come on, make that your prayer, church. Jesus, I need none but you. Jesus, I need none but you. Jesus, I need none but you. Jesus, I need none but you.
Don't be afraid to move. We don't have to be done yet. Don't be afraid to move. You might just need to submit to the Lord right now in this moment and just come down to this altar and pray and sing. We don't have to be done yet. This is Callie. Everybody say, hey, Callie. So Callie feels like she's got something she needs to share with you. And so she just shared it with me. And I will say it's pretty good. Well, it's, no, it's really good, right? And so I want you to lean in, all right? Because she's not nervous at all. She's full of confidence, the power of the Holy Spirit. Um, but you know, when you, you try to explain like what God shows you, it's, it, you gotta kind of work through that, right? It's like preaching. You gotta kind of preach till it gets out. So. Um, be bold, right? All right, here we go. Okay. All right, so. Okay. Um, this actually happened a couple months ago. I was sitting outside on a chair by the pool, and I was reading a devotional, and it was the exact passage we just read with Elijah in the wilderness trying to find God and listen to his whisper. So I was, like, sitting there. I was like, you know. I need to find like a wilderness, like maybe go hiking on a mountain or go into the forest alone, you know, a quiet place. And while I was looking around, I saw my cat drinking out of the pool. And I was like, if she fell in and I went to go and rescue her, she would cling to me like with her sharp claws and it would hurt, you know? And I was thinking, that's like a Christian. You know, some Christians are like that. When they get into a hard time, they will cling to God tightly, you know? But when they get out of the water, it's like, okay, I'm good. I don't need you anymore. And they go walk off and ignore you like a cat does, you know. And, <laughs> yeah. Well, I love my cat, but she does do that, you know. And I was like, some Christians, like, are like that. I didn't think that. It was just like, God, I knew God was talking to me because I don't think like that. And then I was like, okay, my dog, Apollo, when he goes in the water with me, he follows me until I hold him in the water. And, like, He's at peace when I'm holding him. He doesn't try to swim away. He doesn't scratch or bite or anything. He's at peace in the water. It's the scary water. It's a dog. They aren't supposed to like be okay with sitting in the water. And I was like, some Christians are like that too, you know? When you get in the hard water, they are at peace with God because they know he's there. They know they're not going to be dropped. They're not going to drown. He's always going to hold them. And when the dog gets out of the water, he doesn't go away and like, okay, we're good now. He follows him. He follows you around and wants to put his head on your lap. He does not want to be away from you. It, it was a Christian. Like, I saw it so clearly. Like, some people are like that. And in that moment, I was like, sometimes I am the cat. You know, with school, with college looming. I'm like the cat. Like, okay, God, like, you need to save me. And out of the water, I forget what he did. And I leave him. I'm like, okay, I know you're there, but I'm just going to like go and sit somewhere else. 
and I wanted to be the dog. At that moment, I knew I wanted to be the dog. So he gave me all of that, and then after that whole episode, he was like, you're in the wilderness. Yeah, you're in the backyard in a chair by the pool, but you are in a wilderness. You can hear my voice, and it was, I was in the quiet. I was alone with him. So it doesn't have to be like, you don't have to go to Africa in a wilderness to find him. It can be in your own pool. You know, you can be sitting in a float, floating, and he can just enlighten you with something through a dog and a cat. You know, it doesn't have to be some grand thing like you were saying. It could be your cat, you know? So I didn't feel like I needed to share that at the time, but with what you preached, it was like exactly what what happened, what I saw, you were just confirming what I what I saw. So I felt like I should share that. Um just for confirmation to build her faith. Anybody here say that was a really good word I needed to hear it? Yeah. Um, it reminds me, I think there's something in the Bible, some verse that says something like this. Though you walk through the fire, you will not be. Though you walk through the water, you will not. I think that's what she just talked about. Now, as we get ready to kind of wrap this up, I need to put on my pastor hat. And I need to tell you something. Can I tell you something? I think God's trying to say something to us. I don't know if you're connecting the dots or not but we heard an amazing message last night about sitting on the periphery and how death comes through the window and we need to move to the center and then we hear a pastor come tonight who was not here last night and teaches us about how we need to move from where we're comfortable so we can hear the voice I'm just gonna say this to you okay I have to say this A.W. Tozer is an amazing man of God and he was a pastor and he he once preached the same message three weeks in a row and after the third week an old lady was walking out and she said well pastor that was a great message but do you know that you've preached it three weeks in a row and he said ma'am when we start to live it I'll preach something different So I'm going to give you one more opportunity tonight before you head out that door to move to the center. What does that even look like? It looks like movement, right? Probably doesn't look like this. Might look like that. I don't know, but we can't walk out of here the same way. When God is telling us the same thing every night. And I... I love when you talk about Krispy Kreme. So I had a vision. I had a vision. I don't know if it was from God or not, but I saw it so clearly as he was preaching. The hot and now sign. So you could be sitting here saying, why do I have to have another preacher tell me that like God wants to give me a fresh word? I've got all the word I need. You're the same person who will wreck traffic doing a U-turn because the hot and now sign came on about donuts. And then you'll tell us we shouldn't tell you that you should seek a fresh word from God. 
And there's a fresh word tonight. And we need to seek after that. So I'm going to ask them to sing this chorus. Can we just do the part that says glory and praise? Holy cow. And would you um just humor me? Move. Would you just move to the front? If you want to see God do something fresh in your life, I promise we won't keep you any longer than God wants us to. Right? Would you just maybe spread out a little bit? Because you don't want to hit the person next to you when you start raising your hands. Uh, um, listen, you need to know this, okay? I used to be a worship leader. And so I love to teach about worship. And I want to just dispel a quick worship myth. Can you hear me? Can y'all hear me okay? Here's a, here's a myth about worship. And this is exactly what you preached. Well, if I feel it, I'll raise my hands. Yeah, that verse ain't nowhere in the Bible. The psalmist said, raise your hands, right? I will lift my hands to the heavens. Well, if I feel like dancing, I'll dance. That's not in the Bible. The Bible says to make a decision that you will dance before the Lord. It's in there. There's no feeling in that. Well, I don't want to fake it. It's not faking it when you act in faith and say, God, glory to you alone. And I, I think I'm all that, so I'm going to raise my hands just to show you that I know I'm not. And I promise you feelings come after that. So can we, and if you need to close your eyes so that you don't see anybody seeing you, then close your eyes and raise your hands, and let's sing this to the Lord, okay? Just as our closing song, glory and praise, and then wherever y'all go from there, you know, it's cool with me, but let's just sing that to the Lord.
Stand still, no, I will not stand still, no, I will not stand still. I'll move, I'll move. Pray that I will not stand still, no, I will not stand still, no, I will not stand still. I'll move, I'll move, I will not. Stand still, no, I will not stand still, no, I will not stand still, I'll move in unity. Come on, as a body, I will not stand still, I will not, not in this church, not at Vision Church, not in this community. Oh, I will not stand still. We can all agree on that. Sing, I will move. I'll move. I'll move. And I will not stand still. No, I will not stand still. No, I will not. That's our prayer. Pray it out. Tonight cannot be night three of encounter and then tomorrow morning happens. Don't. Don't let that happen. Commit to the Lord now in obedience. person next to you or in front of you and I'm going to pray this closing prayer and I just want you to pray it over them in agreement as well we say a lot of times that we ask God to give us ears to hear and eyes to see but I'm going to pray that you have courage to take those feet of yours and go live this out so God in your name Jesus our friend our brother and our sister that we're touching right now we're asking that you would Fill them with the power of your Holy Spirit. The same power that raised Christ from the dead. The Bible says it lives in us as believers. 
And it is not a sit back and wait kind of power. It is a step out and go power. And we pray that they would encounter in their life tomorrow. I'm not praying about next week. I'm talking about tomorrow, God. That they would see stones begin to move in their life tomorrow because the resurrection power in them is having an effect on the world around them. We ask it in the mighty name of Jesus. And we know this for a fact because 1 John says it, that if we pray, you hear. And we know from Scripture that if you hear, you act because you call us to move because you are a God of movement. You spoke and it was. And so we declare this to be done. We thank you for bringing us here tonight, for challenging us. I refuse, God, to stand on the sidelines when there's a fight to be fought. We refuse to stand on the sidelines and let somebody else go in the game for us. We are going to be in all in. If it kills us, we're all in. Because even if it kills us, the same spirit that raised Christ from the dead is going to resurrect me. You are worth living and dying and breathing for. And we say in the mighty name of Jesus, it is so. It is so. In your name, Jesus, somebody shout amen. Give the Lord some praise. that you were going to love Tyson. Is he awesome or what? Come on. That was so good. They're going to sing I Will Not Stand Still or whatever that song was we just sang. It was fantastic. That's a song from the Holy Spirit. So as you're heading out, they'll be singing that and they'll just keep ringing in your ear. you got to keep moving. you got to keep moving. Hey, listen, don't